0: Hey, what's up? I was not losing that game of chicken. What's up, Seth? How are you doing?
1: I'm great. I'm great. Excited to see what
0: you've got this week. Yeah, we've got some good topics. Okay, let me tee this up. I've got a few. Uh, One is continuing a conversation that we had offline with Miles about the future of, uh, are people going to be coding in the future? Is no code going to be the future? I think there's like a natural bias for each of us where I'm an engineer and you're uh, the no code wizard. So... I wanted to just like have that conversation a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit you with a, a business idea for AI generated ads. And okay. I, I think it's actually a, a baller idea and so I to run that bio. Okay. Uh, cool. Uh, I'll have like maybe two more fuzzy topics. I just wrote down two notes. One says, do hackathons actually create value in theory? They're awesome. But I don't know a single successful company that came out of a hackathon. Just a straight, straight thought that I had. I don't know if it's going to lead anywhere. I, I think that tre- uh, Trello did. If I am remembering. Okay. So we've got one company. Uh, That's it? I, I haven't done the research though. Hackathon <laughs> seemed like such a good idea though, right? Like you get a bunch of smart people together. They're jamming on ideas. I can't think yeah. of that many businesses that actually came out of Hackathon. So I don't know if that actually worked. It yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. lead nowhere. I was just curious about that. And then uh, lastly, I'm getting that itch to start a company again. So I want to chat about that too. So anyway, that was right. it. And it, what do you got? And then maybe we'll pick a topic and we'll go from there. Cool. All right, so I have uh, I have takeaways
1: from Invent and Wander, which is the collection of Jeff Bezos writings. Uh, there's some great
0: ones there. Yeah, we're gonna start with that. So we'll <laughs> go through your list and we'll start with Invent.
1: All right, I have that. Uh, I have some more AI stuff, and then I have uh, like thoughts on hiring um, mm-hmm. as like as like a solo entrepreneur um, So I'm starting to do that. So uh, yeah, can talk through that. So th- those are my ideas. Maybe like, we've got a good lineup.
0: We've got a good lineup. Okay, so we're going to do invent and wander. We're going to go AI ideas. Well, you start with yours, and I'll hit you with then, my my business idea. Uh, we'll see where we go from there. And uh, well, then we'll do hiring, Then we'll see what we got. So, all right, what do, what okay. do you got for me on invent and wander?
1: Cool. All right, first of all, great recommendation. Uh, really, really enjoyed the book. Yeah. I wrote down some notes as I was reading. Actually, I didn't start taking notes until maybe halfway through, but I think a lot of it is kind of like one thing that, I both appreciate about it. And also it just a fact about the book, like a lot of the stories and things that Jeff writes about is a bit repetitive, but I think that one take, I mean, that's kind of an overall takeaway for me is that it's kind of amazing how focused on the mission and focused on like four or five crucial things that he wanted to do with Amazon from the very beginning, all the way through as they got bigger. And he didn't, expand the scope he didn't say oh now we're gonna do we're gonna focus on five more things like he kind of created like certain things like for example like customer uh being customer centric like doing every and doing that like uh doing things like that that really encompass like a lot of things like it's like okay if you are going to make a decision and you make it around okay is this better for the customer or worse for the customer then that kind of encompasses it and is going to apply when you're a small company when you're a big company so i thought that was an uh, i think a takeaway that i had was like how consistent he was throughout the years literally from the very beginning um number two uh long-term thinking so i wrote this one down too yeah and and these are all things that that, like these are takeaways i have for my own businesses and just thinking about the like i think it just applies to everything so a long-term thinking uh thinking from like always thinking about uh is this going to be make sense in the long term? Is this good for the business in the long term? Um, another takeaway uh, is Amazon's success. I think a big part of their success is creating uh, tools and and like making up other people's success a part of their success. So that uh, is like um, like FBA fulfillment by Amazon, where Hundreds of thousands of people sold products on the Amazon marketplace. Not only did they sell on the marketplace like eBay, you could ship your boxes of goods to Amazon. And then when someone buys it, Amazon will uh, pack it and ship it to the customer for you. So kind of doing all of these things for people to help other people make money. And AWS, same thing, like they're helping other, you know, uh, um, helping businesses, uh, build web apps that scale uh, without having to build their own servers. So I think doing these things to kind of like let other people make money with what you are offering is always is one of the best businesses that you can do. And they did it at a really high scale. Um, so that was another takeaway. I uh, another one that I thought was interesting was that they we're always building for both small companies and large companies. So that also applies to AWS and fulfillment by Amazon. Like you could use those products. If you were a, you know, a one person business, you could also use them if you are a multi-billion dollar company. So it, they're building and it works for, uh, no matter, you know, the, what, what they're building works for any type of company. Um, another take it away. Another takeaway is, uh, the the idea that high standards are contagious and also low standards are contagious and i thought that was a really powerful message of with hiring and just this idea of like uh i think everyone kind of knows oh high standards are the high standards are contagious i think is a little more obvious but the low standards are contagious was was a little bit less obvious to me and i thought um a really good thing to take away um and i have a few more okay uh One that I thought was really good was um, writing memos. So the one thing they talked about with the memos, the one takeaway I had there was a really good memo. uh, The reason it's a really good memo isn't because you're a really good writer. The reason it's a good memo is because it's been rewritten a bunch of times and a good memo takes at least a week to make it good. And I thought that that was something that was really useful to think about in terms of like setting expectations for how long it's going to take for something to be good. So don't be disappointed with yourself. If you're like building something and it doesn't seem good after a day or two days, like these things just do take time. And the same thing could go, if you're writing a blog post, or you're writing whatever, like don't expect it to be good on the first time. Like it, these things, sometimes there's like a minimum amount of time that it can take to be really good. Um, so, Oh, one more really great takeaway. Uh, was that in in one of his later letters, he was talking about how Am- Amazon needs to keep failing in order to succeed. Like, and what was interesting to me was that he said that at the scale that they're at, they need to be failing on the scale of like they need to scale up their failures the way the same way they're scaling up their success. So if they're not having failures that cost them billions of dollars, then it's not a big enough failure. So I thought that was also really interesting. So all of these things. Just uh, really great, great, um, and like inspiring to read.
0: Totally okay. I'm I'm writing down uh, reactions to your takeaways as we yes. as you go. Yeah. Um. And then I'm gonna add, I think one more new one of my own because I talked last time about the yeah. idea of the role of an entrepreneur being as a capital capital allocator.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. relates
0: really strongly to your last point, which is basically like, um, your job as the CEO is kind of to make these positive expected value bets. As the mm-hmm. company gets really big and gets increasingly yeah. big, then it makes total sense that the size of the bets you're gonna have to take is gonna to have to get increasingly large. And some right. are gonna be bets that he's talked about this before, but the Fire Phone is gonna look like a really small scale thing relative to some bets that they're probably gonna make in the future. Because in order to make a meaningful impact on a trillion dollar business, you have to be taking like hundred billion dollar swings. Uh, so yeah, that, that was one. Um, going back to your first and second points about focus and long-term thinking, um, there were a lot of moments in a lot of the shareholder letters where he was talking about things that you would do obsessively for customers. And if you were looking at it with purely a short-term lens, then -hmm. it would maybe look a little bit unideal things like cutting costs preemptively before competitors would actually cut costs. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you take a really long-term lens to look at the business, it makes a ton of sense. You're making your business much more defensible and attracting a larger group of customers that you can then do more meaningful things with. If you look at your business as like a 10 or 20 or 30 year horizon and not just like, let me maximize revenue for the next quarter. Uh, which right. is something they've been very intentional about from the beginning. Uh, and related to focus, I thought it was really interesting, the question that he asked a couple of times, and they, you're, like you said, they repeat some examples, but that, that question of what won't change over the next 10 years. So like, are customers gonna want lower prices or higher prices? No, like that won't change. Customers will always want lower prices. And so focusing on those kinds of things and really optimizing your business around them, also mm-hmm. something they did seem to do very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one other comment on something you mentioned, you said that they focus really well on small and large companies. And so I think they picked up really early, earlier than more modern examples like Stripe, that like small companies become big companies. And so as you start with them yeah. and they're small and then they grow into larger companies then they're going to become big. like it's just like a really logical way to treat businesses. that Like small businesses are meaningful customers because they can become Big businesses and grow just as much as like a big business can be. Especially again, if you look at your business as a long-term endeavor, it's right. just a short-term thing.
1: Yeah. I remember they were saying in in the book, like, as you know, when a new category would get their first, like, you know, million dollars of sales or whatever, even when that was a very small amount of Amazon's overall sales, they still celebrated it because they knew that that was like, obviously things start small. And if once you get to the, like, it's, it, ha- it still has the potential to become, Much much bigger, um, yeah, totally, totally. yeah,
0: yeah. I'll just mention one more, and it's something that I also got through interviewing at Amazon last year. But they're, they really take their leadership principles seriously. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of companies that claim to have core values, and you were talking about the mission, but Amazon is probably the company that, the only company I've seen that so strongly adheres to their values and really interviews and indexes for them in the people that they hire. Uh, and it's very clear when you're going through the process. And it made me wonder, as I was reading the shareholder letters, if company values are underrated. Like, I think it's very easy to hand wave and just be like, oh, yeah, like everyone cares about integrity or like setting high standards or whatever. But Amazon actually does. And I think that they it, it's something that they take very seriously. Mm-hmm. And they're a humongous company. And so I was wondering if company values were underrated. And is that something that if you're thoughtful enough about them at the beginning and you you hire for them and you're very thoughtful about that? like again taking a really long-term view your business is that something that makes a big difference and i think so
1: yeah yeah i think so too it's it is important i think you can it's kind of like building you're like almost starting religion in a way like you you are yeah i mean yeah basically you are
0: yeah i think it's a really good way of putting it Mm -hmm. it was really good it's also just amazing reading them back to back to back where you're seeing the growth year over year it's it's unbelievable
1: yeah i know i kind of like it's almost hard to read it every year because it's like every it's like oh okay now to the numbers we grew you know three hundred percent here we added three million customers here we it, it is it is amazing yeah and then getting to the end and going from zero employees to five hundred thousand employees in twenty years is unbelievable it's crazy it's crazy yeah.
0: yeah I I was kind of hoping they would include the last one in his last year old letter mm. but uh, I guess it was written just a little bit before that
1: mm, yeah well. We can read it. You can read it online. Yeah, That's okay. I, I, it I should online. read it online. Yeah. I know. I was thinking because like you were complaining at the last episode. They left out a few when he was talking about the fire phone or whatever. I totally can spread them you for just free. Just go look it up. You
0: know? <laughs> I paid for a book that compiled something I can access for free. And I complained about the fact that I couldn't. <laughs> but yeah, why yeah. would they skip any years? They're all available. Yeah, I totally agree. Even I, I really liked a lot of the interviews after too. Um, yeah, it, just everything about it. I, I, th- I found it very inspiring. I think it's partially why I'm in that mindset right now where I'm getting that itch to start another business. It, I'm just like starting to think it, about it, all these things from a leader's perspective. And it, it's getting me in that mindset again. It, yeah, it's inspiring. It is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh,
1: do you want to talk more about this or do you want to go over to AI? We can move over to AI. So uh, I guess the one thing I have the one thing I have on AI, we'll have our little AI segment every week probably now. Yeah, the um, weekly AI segment. Until the next funny, new thing comes along. I saw that BuildSpace is is going to have an a- AI courses now, which is, I mean, they, I love they that. to go, go from crypto to AI, which makes sense. It makes sense, um, yeah. So, so I just read, uh, there's a guy, John Stokes, who writes a Substack, which I've talked about before. I think it's one of the best Substacks newsletters on AI because he just goes really in depth. So the one that he just released this week, was about like generative uh media, like like uh, uh TV shows, movies, and like one thing that he talked about that's probably going to happen in the future, which was just really interesting to think about, was imagine like Disney ta- feeds all of their existing content into an AI system, and then it spits out uh like basically enough episodes of a specific like show or or character for example like you could do like uh, a 24 7 you know uh tv tv channel that's uh all new content and it's all like spider-man shows basically right so like every week there's a new spider-man show it's it's completely new but it's 24 four seven. like every hour there's a new you know a new show and like they can do this um, And like, obviously, you can do this with new uh, IP as well. And the AI could create new IP, but it also can do it with existing IP. And I feel like that's just an interesting angle that I didn't think about of like companies like Disney using their existing IP to just churn out an unlimited amount of content, basically. Um, So I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. And it could happen sooner than later uh, because, yeah, no.
0: I think it's super interesting, and then I think you you take it to an even further logical extreme, and you're like, okay, well, if there's all this content, then how do you find the best content? And then you think about current analogies, and you think of something like YouTube. Where YouTube, there's a t- there's a huge long tail of content. Like people are just posting new content all the time. There's no shortage of that, new content that's out of YouTube. There's a shortage of like quality content that's out of YouTube, and they have an algorithm that helps you service it. So you can keep just like you can also imagine that you have all this content that's being created, and then Disney internally also has some kind of algorithm that's helping them surface what is the best content? What's like the stuff that's most engaging? How do we then put that onto its own service? Or could like someone do it across platforms? So I think it'll just, yeah, there are like even more extremes that you could take this to.
1: Totally. I mean, I guess the one thing that like what happens when there's unlimited content, like, because how does that work? How does it work? Like even today, even though there's too much content, there still are shows that people watch together and can talk about but is it in the future is nobody going to watch the same show so it's all going to be or people will crave watching those the same shows i, I don't know i think it's going to be it'll just be, or, be a lot different of Extreme.
0: what if people what if shows are just personalized to you what if it's just like oh we've taken data about you and we know what you like so that's- we're going to make spider-man shows that are personally tailored to you and then you oh. can just keep watching them but your friends yeah. don't need to get the same content they can get content that's tailored. which is to what
1: that. that might what it, maybe that'll be what it'll be and maybe people will watch sports together, but like sports will be the last thing that's live and thing that everyone watches together and otherwise, or like, you know, reality shows and stuff. But other than that, it's all personalized. I I don't know.
0: Yeah, I guess like taking, I'm trying to apply frameworks to this because I don't don't really know how far it's going to extend. I guess like, I think that probably Ben Thompson's aggregation theory would make sense of like uh, a lot of the value that you can derive from there being this explosion of new content being created is that you aggregate all the best content into one place and you can provide value by saying, hey, we're not just gonna like take this thing that's unlimited and make it even more unlimited. We're gonna take this like thing that's unlimited and make it more finite and help you surface right. the right bullshit. So you can yeah. see, okay, here's the best stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in a world where one of the superpowers of AI could be that like, it's not just that everyone sees and has access to the same thing. And this was kind of the idea that I was going off of a couple of weeks ago. When I was talking about that clothing idea, we're like, wouldn't it be cool if you could just have all this data about you and then have experiences that are tailored specifically to you? And in, this, in the case that I was bringing up, it could be like clothes where you can have clothes that are exactly meant for you. And it, it, they could be different from like the clothes that you would want and that you would see. And it could be the same for TV shows. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to think about how all of what we consume will change.
1: Yeah, 100 yeah, yeah, percent um yeah so what's your idea with uh, uh okay
0: I'm actually excited about this one okay so this came out of a conversation I was having with Steve Jonah and Haynes about jersey ads on hockey jerseys have okay. you like seen anything about this about sports teams adding uh advertisement patches to their jerseys I
1: I know what you're talking about yeah like teams are now yeah. making they're putting a, a patch of, of like Verizon or whatever company on their on their exactly yep. so
0: I'm very anti, like very anti, like to the point where uh, a like joking goal, but not really that much of a joke for me is that I wanted to start a successful business so that I could advertise on the capitals jerseys and just pay to have nothing on there. And (laughs) like, that's how much I hate the ads. Um, But it made me realize like, I think there's a win-win where there won't be. That's a
1: better, uh, I I thought you were going to say buy. That's actually smarter than enough. Like, it thought, make having a company to buy the capitals, that so that they you wouldn't put an ad on it. <laughs> but much smarter to just have enough money to buy the
0: ad for the jersey. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Let me tell you about a win-win though. Yeah. What if they're? What if teams can make advertising revenue from putting ads on jerseys, but there doesn't need to be an ad on the jersey? Uh, so there's another new thing that's happening right now in the NHL, and that you've probably seen across other sports. Where if you're watching a game, uh, they can generate ads onto the digital viewing viewing experience without actually having that ad be like there physically. So Mm, on baseball games, you'll see like, there's a big green spot behind home plate and then they'll show, they'll just rotate ads. And now for hockey this year, they're showing different ads on the boards. And so like, if you're thinking about how you're gonna collect money from placing an ad on a jersey, you usually just like, when a player is zoomed in on, so when they're shooting a free throw, if they're playing basketball, if they're just sitting on the bench or about to take a face off and they're playing hockey, those are the moments where you'll actually get value out of having an ad on a jersey. It's not when they're playing. It's too small for anyone to actually see it. So what if you could come up with a system where you actually have the ads just digitally overlay on top of a jersey? It doesn't actually need to be there. And then you can do really interesting things with that because all jersey slots are not the same. Like putting an ad on Ovechkin should probably cost more than putting an ad on Nick Dowd. And I'm guessing that you've heard of Alex Ovechkin and that you've never heard of Nick Dowd. Mm -hmm. And so that's like one thing. The other is there are different moments in a game where you might want to sell uh, different, like, higher-level ad slots. So I think that you're (laughs) under-monetizing advertisements on jerseys by not having a digital in the first place. And it makes total sense to me that it's going to happen eventually. Now, the Mm -hmm. only, like, real pushback to me in my mind is uh, right now, jersey ads are a revenue that directly go to the team. Because the team, like, owns that slot on the jersey. And so they sell that to an ad partner and then they put that ad on the jersey. But if you're talking about it happening digitally, you're probably talking about revenue that you're generating for the uh, broadcaster. So there needs to be some like economic split that makes sense where the team is getting more money than they would get from having someone place a physical ad on the jersey and uh, the the broadcaster makes money too. But it makes a lot of sense to me that we'll be able to have like some ad platform or just some way of advertising digitally on sports jerseys. And then I was thinking about other ways that you could apply that. So like, if we're posting something to YouTube, could someone like take that and just put visual ads digitally on the back of both of our screens? Uh, And can you sell like different slots for different videos depending on what moment they're in? So like towards the beginning or end probably would generate more revenue. I, I was just trying to think of other ways that you could apply this beyond just like a sports jersey advertising platform. But I would think that like, if you could come up with a way to digitally place ads, uh, on athletes then you could probably monetize it in other ways too by putting it on like podcasts or youtube or whatever everything mm-hmm. is becoming more visual so anyway curious for your reaction to that
1: i think that i mean it's yeah it's it's definitely interesting it's probably it's definitely complicated it's, it's a little complex uh to execute um the i guess one aspect of on the sports jersey aspect on, to start I'm guessing one part of the value that brands get is that the jerseys that you buy has their, has their um, logo on it as
0: well. That's negotiated with the team. So the team will, I'm sure that they, the advertisers pay for that. And there's a price where the teams will say yes. But right now it's kind of up to the team to decide or mm. our jersey is going to have that or not.
1: So not every team is selling the slot for a fan's buying the jersey. Yeah, and
0: frankly, that makes the jersey like unviable for me. I would never buy a jersey with an ad on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wonder what the sales are if this if it impacts sales to have an ad versus not having an ad. And you would think it would. Um, it's funny because in, so- it in soccer, the ad is like part of the jersey, you know. Or but then football. soccer
0: makes sense because soccer there's no there aren't commercial breaks. Like it totally makes sense to me that you'd want to monetize some advertising slot during a game. Right other sports don't need that like it it doesn't make sense in sports that aren't just continuous
1: well it makes sense to maximize your revenue i guess if it's just an extra way to make a little bit of extra money yeah let me show you how i i I don't know if it's important to harp on but the way i got this this this, this makes sense to me though i think especially no especially given that not every team does put it like i was thinking that if you're going to remove it from the selling jerseys it's removing a lot of value but that isn't true if it's just through completely digital um that makes sense to me i mean I, I guess the main thing is yeah does it actually are you able to do it in a way that it, it actually increases revenue for the team and if it does significantly then they why wouldn't they do
0: it i i would think that there's no reason it wouldn't increase revenue for the team because you're able to then like discriminate pricing not only for like who is willing to buy the advertisement for the entire season and and be the advertising partner for every game and every season. And instead, you'd be like, all right, do you want to buy like just the ad on Ovechkin during the third period? Yeah. And I imagine all you
1: would need is like some sort of a patch. You would have a patch on the players, but it would be some sort of a thing that the broadcast could pick up to know to put the ad there, basically.
0: Yeah, and I'm not even actually sure that you would need that because right now I don't think there's anything on the boards where they already digitally overlay ads. I also just sent you a text, which is kind of where I got the idea for this, a Formula One... Uh, there's a team that was testing doing this exact same thing mm. on one of their cars. I don't think there's anything there. I think it just cycles through. You can click on the video and it, it'll it play. But
1: um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. I don't think
0: you need anything there.
1: It's a great idea. I mean, yeah. I think it's actually a very good idea. It's very cool.
0: It makes a lot of sense to me. I think it's a win-win for everybody.
1: Yeah. So, I guess you would... I mean, you would basically need to sell the technology to like broadcasters who would then sell it to the team in the same way that they sell the stadium ads, they would sell the Jersey ads. Um, and then the team wouldn't have to also worry about selling the Jersey ad and then they would make more money from it. Essentially. Yeah. It makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. I don't know how good of a business it is. Like, I don't know how big it's going to get, but
1: I mean, I, I don't, I, totally guess, I guess it's it. the kind of, it's the kind of thing I feel like sports businesses, you just have to like, you have to just have every team do it, and you have to be the only person doing it, essentially. Yeah. So that's how. We right, gotta right. jump in
0: a second, but hit me with yeah. one carve out other than uh, invent some laundry. Right. Um, you go first. Uh, you go first. What do you got? Okay. We talked about the Kanye and Lex episode, which I thought was really worthwhile listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll share another, which is Taylor Swift's new album, *Midnights*. Fantastic. Been really enjoying it. Thank you, Taylor, for giving me more content. Oh, nice. Uh
1: cool yeah okay so i'll say uh yeah i gotta listen to that uh, i'll say if you're in boston go to what's this place called in the north end the market uh no gallery uh, okay galleria umberto it's the place we tried to go but they were closed they were like in italy for the month when we tried to go a year ago um oh yeah it was a great that's day. how you
0: know it's good when they're taking like a siesta in italy that's good stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Cool, all right, cool man. Talk to you. Let you get to your chess lesson. Take man. Talk to you later.
1: All right, see ya. Bye. Yeah.